The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you back to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Hope everybody is having a great week. Happy to be back with another episode of the program. I love doing this show, and this week... As always, a lot to discuss. This is going to be more of a roundtable edition. Some different things that I want to get into that might be, I guess, suitable for, or not suitable, if you will, for a competitive type atmosphere. But we're still going to have some fun, discuss some of the big news going on in the world of MMA and beyond. So let us introduce the panel for this week first. It's been a while since we've had him on. I think the last time he was on was... The first week he was officially back with MMA Fighting, it was a while, but happy to welcome back MMA Fighting's own Shaheen Al-Shadi to the program. Sean, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Mike. I'm doing good. It's good to be back. Uh, yeah, last time I was on, I think I'm, I was a little bit scarred. Uh, it was the tag team match between where me and oh, Jose got right. completely robbed why somehow Kamara Usman was the breakout fighter of the year. It was utterly <laughs> ridiculous judging, and I vowed to never be back on this program, but I can't, I can't quit you guys. I love you too much. I appreciate it. I forgot about the tag team division. We got to bring that that back at some point. But speaking of champions, let us once again welcome back the reigning defending BTL champion. He may not feel like the undisputed champion, but that clock's got to be ticking, right? I, I think that championship feeling is becoming stronger by the week, I would say, Mr. Jed Mishu. How are you? I'm willing to accept being champion. Am I defending? Uh, I did, I thought this was a round table. I'm happy to defend because as, as my compatriot, Sean Ashadi, just noted, uh, I am the man who made the argument that Kamar Usman was the breakout fighter of the year, which was a genius and brilliant argument and obviously entirely correct because that's the one that won. So, you know, there's a reason I'm the champion, Mike. That's all I'm saying. 
the reason. Yes. I mean, the reigning defending champion thing is like a cliche thing. And I would say you have defended this title already. So I, I think it lines up perfectly. So let's get right into this thing. Let's begin with a topic that has been reheated this week. It's become kind of a debate in the MMA space, but I do feel it is important to discuss it from multiple angles. We'll do that right now. John Jones is in the news once again. And yes, it's not a topic that hasn't been discussed before, but Earlier this week, a new video surfaced, first brought to light by the Las Vegas Review Journal from his arrest in September for misdemeanor battery domestic violence and injuring or tampering with a vehicle after getting inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Went on to strike a plea deal, domestic violence charges dropped, but this video had not been seen before. He's shown headbutting a police car. He said some not so great things he felt like he was targeted because of his race and on and on it goes it was a lot sean alshadi so what was your reaction to the video did it change your view on the situation at all oh man we're just starting right out with the rough stuff i mean man it was obviously it was obviously sad to watch man i mean there's no other reaction to it other than just i mean it's something it's very difficult to watch and it's sad to see just, I mean, it's one thing when you read about it, right? When you read the police report and you see John Jones headbutted a police car and all of this stuff, and, and obviously the, that same night, uh, the domestic abuse or the domestic violence allegations is just all of it, and what you hear from his uh, ex fiance, I guess at this point, and the kids, and just all of it, it's it's all a bad situation. But when you see the video, it really does crystallize sort of just how rough and how just sort of sad. This whole thing has become um it's not no one wants to see their heroes like that and you certainly don't want to see one of the greatest fighters of all time throwing a tantrum in the streets of, of las vegas and just being really really messy and sad man uh, I, I don't know that there's another word for it other than sad i keep saying sad but it's just a rough watch and it's one that i i certainly don't ever want to go back and watch again but you just Party of feels for John, obviously. I mean, this is the one of the probably one of the most embarrassing moments of his life and his career just out there on a video for, for the entire world to see. But also it's just like, man, maybe this is a wake-up call for the guy. Maybe this is sort of a rock bottom that he needed, but it's just bad, man. It's just a bad situation all around. And ultimately, I mean, maybe this was inevitable that he would reach this sort of place with the with the direction that he was going, but it's rough. It's rough stuff, man. What did you think about it, Jed? I mean, not fun to watch, obviously. Guys going through a lot. You know, hopefully, like Sean said, this was rock bottom and he's trying to climb out of that hole. I know he said that, you know, he's about to fight for the heavyweight title. That fight hasn't been booked yet. We don't know what's going to happen with the heavyweight division, but your reaction to seeing that video that just hadn't been released until a couple of days ago. I think Sean drove to the point really well. Like sad is just the big word, right? Like that's... It is different to to watch that as opposed to read about it and to kind of see exactly the depth of, of what happened. Because when you read about it, it's it takes you two seconds. It's very quick. It's yeah, John Jones is arrested. Um, you know, uh, allegations of domestic abuse and for headbutting a cop car. Arrested. Yada yada. That's over really quickly. It's a long video. He's in custody or in handcuffs for a while before they end up putting him in the back of the car, um, which we get into a whole separate thing about why it transpired the way it did. Um, feels like they should have put him in the back of the car a lot sooner. And then the headbutting thing wouldn't have happened, but here it's just not how it went down. It, 
I do not, I want to choose my words extremely carefully here. I do not often and in general side with the police in a lot of matters. Uh, I was at least encouraged by how this interaction was mostly handled well, because I distinctly remember at the time thinking that I did not feel super comfortable commenting or talking that much about the topic because it's an area rife with, with potentially problematic stuff. John Jones is a black man in America who at the time was engaged to a white woman and then accused of domestic abuse and being detained and arrested. Like there's a lot of sociopolitical stuff going into play there that I'm just not super comfortable to be the, the arbiter of good and, and wrong and, and all that stuff. Um, but I was at least encouraged to see that from my perspective, what I could tell outside of them leaving them on the hood of the car for a little longer than was probably necessary. There didn't appear to be any kind of foul play um, amongst the police officers there. And so that is the one silver lining I, I can take from this, but otherwise it's, it's everything that Sean said, where it's, this is mostly just a sad and tragic view into one of the best athletes we've ever seen in this sport at a really low point. I'm not willing to call this rock bottom because he's had a lot of really bad points. Um, this just happens to be one that's caught on camera uh, of frankly, many and knock on wood, hopefully not, but potentially more to come. So it just sucked. Um, and it wasn't, uh, wasn't all that great. Um, but it's been a bad week for a lot of things. So, you know, that's just where we are, where we are right now. That is very true. And, you know, this is going to happen either this weekend or next weekend when the pay-per-view happens, but you know, Dane is going to be asked about this. You know, the UFC is going to be asked about this whole situation. Now that the video is out there, Jed, do you feel like the UFC's view may have changed after actually seeing the video? Like they haven't delivered any sanctions or suspensions yet. And you know, we, we know what happened comparing the Luis Pena situation to this situation. We saw Luis Pena get released from the company John Jones, that didn't happen. But now that this video is out there and you can kind of see it for yourself, do you think there will be any kind of response to it? No, I don't. Not, I don't. To be frank, I don't think there should be. Um, I think if you were going to have a response, you, you, the response should have come uh, to the allegations made. Because frankly, this video doesn't really show anything that's that that bad. That's maybe not the best way to say it, but realistically what we're looking at is a guy who is very likely though, I guess maybe not definitively intoxicated at that point. Um, talking to the cops that arrested him at a very high moment in his life and saying some things uh, that aren't great. I'm not entirely sure what all he said because some of it was bleeped out, but I have to imagine giving that they weren't bleeping out the F bomb that what they were bleeping out wasn't awesome. Um, but he is mostly not doing anything like he's certainly not doing anything as bad as what he was uh, accused of doing at the time. And they did not see fit to sanction him or do anything. And so from what I saw in the video, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think that this is going to be the thing that's like, ah, oh, we got to rein John in. He got arrested. People getting arrested is almost never pretty. Uh, and it often looks a lot like this. So, you know, I think, I think we're just, we're, we're here. This is the room. We all see it. We'll notice it and kind of move on. 
You agree with that, Sean? You think Dana will just be like, yeah, rough video. Hopefully he moves on with his life and he's good to go. And hopefully we can get him in the octagon in 2022 at some point. Yeah, I do. Um, because ultimately, I mean, a lot of people have mentioned this is an incident that isn't new, right? This is an incident that was all the way back in September. It's already been sort of legislated out through, through the court system. We already sort of have the resolution from all of this. Um, this is just another unfortunate, sad, maybe chapter addition to it, addendum to it. I mean, God, man, because I've, Jed, you mentioned the the editing of the video. I've seen the unedited video and, and the stuff that they edited out is just him kind of calling the cops crackers and he drops another racial slur at one point in it. And it's just, it's a bad look, man. I mean, the hard stuff and just all of it is in the hall of fame and it keeps saying this is my hall of fame night. It's just a really incredibly rough look. And, and again, I, I, I do dearly hope that this is sort of the rock bottom that we have finally reached for John Jones because man, that is just such a tough video to watch. I do want to touch on one other thing and then we'll move on. Sean, because there's been quite a bit of debate about this video coming to light, the coverage of it. Now, I feel confident that if something like this happens in the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball in a new video surface like this, the media in those sports absolutely would have covered it, especially if it's with one of the sports bigger stars. But the debate in our space has been, why cover it? Why post it? It happened in September. It's not news. You're just doing it for clicks, your clickbaits, which we have certainly forgot as a society what that word actually means these days because it's thrown around so loosely. But Sean, I mean, you hold a title of deputy editor at MMA Fighting. You are a highly respected voice in the space. I think everybody watching this can agree with it. So I wanted to see if you'd be willing to discuss this and, and sort of talk the decision to post this video. Sure. Um, just in terms of the merits of whether it is worth sort of putting it out there for the public. Is that sort of what you mean? Exactly. Yeah. It's this happened in September. We need to move on. Why are we putting this out now? Sure. I mean, ultimately it was the Las Vegas review journal who made the decision to publish it um, this week. It, it, I mean, it wasn't us who broke it, but I do think it speaks to this whole conversation because it has been a conversation that's hard to ignore. Right. We've all seen sort of the people who saying, why are you putting this out right now? It speaks to the inherent nature, I think, of transparency with these sort of incidents. And this is sort of maybe how we started the discussion where I certainly didn't enjoy watching it. A, a big part of me certainly wishes I hadn't watched it. And if you do enjoy watching it, if you are somebody who enjoyed watching, I question your just morality as a human being that you could revel in something like this. I mean, you're seeing someone at one of their lowest points and it's sad, even if you don't like John, it's, it's a really sad thing to watch. But there's a reason ultimately why these sort of videos are released, right? Because when we do get a police report for an incident like this, ultimately it's just the police's side of the story, right? Like, and this opens up a, a whole different conversation, a whole different discussion. I think a far more complex discussion regarding the job of police and the work they do. But if all we had to do was rely on the police report, there's a lot of room in there for dishonesty, um, for taking liberties with the truth and that sort of thing, because you can't just inherently believe anybody's side of things. It, it, you can't believe the police's side of things. You can't believe the victim's side of things. You can't believe, you know, the, the offender's side of things. You have to sort of see video of how the interaction went, how the incident actually went down to actually completely understand what happened. So when you first hear back in September that John Jones headbutted a police car and Jed alluded to this, Okay, I mean that could mean a lot of things, right? It could it could mean John did exactly what we ultimately ended up seeing him did do, 
or it could mean something very different depending on the context of the interaction and how it actually played out. Um, so, I mean, no one revels in these sort of videos, but they do exist for a reason. Uh, and I, I certainly understand why they are considered newsworthy because when you do see the video, it feels to me that the incident takes on a very different form. Um, in particular with a situation like this, where it is that nebulous sort of wording that we got in September of John Jones headbutts a police car. What does that exactly mean? Anything to add to that, Jed? No, I mean, I think Sean nailed it. I'll, I'll to add, I'll go further and say everything Sean said is correct. If for no other reason, specifically the headbutt is like extremely relevant, because again, I alluded to this earlier and Sean touched on it. There was a legitimate part of my brain that thought, what, why is he headbutting a car? What does that look like? Did he headbutt a car or did a cop smash his head into a car? And they're saying he headbutted it because that's excessive force or like what, like what is the context? And now we have it. And like I said, it wasn't anything untoward. There's maybe a sinister reading for John's actions there, but I, I don't even think there's that. It, it, it is the, the most innocuous of the possibilities that that event could have been of a probably drunk guy kind of not, not doing well with a really bad moment in time. And so if for nothing else, it's relevant for that. Um, I did not realize though. I kind of suspected that the things that were removed from the edited version were not obviously weren't great, but I think it's totally relevant that John Jones said racial slurs. That seems extremely relevant to, to me. So, you know, these, I think it's obviously relevant. I'm not some type of great compass of uh, journalistic quality but i don't i also just don't really care about the people who are like this has this doesn't mean anything like okay you don't care that's fine you don't have to look to it yeah i mean it's it's rough to start a show talking about this but it is for real i mean it's a new story but i wanted to get it out of the way first and then we could talk about other things but like i said earlier and i go back to this point for multiple reasons the ufc has become a major organization in the sports world they sold for 4.2 billion dollars not that long ago they're on espn there's always the hope of dana white and the ufc that this would be the biggest sport in the world to be right up there and even beyond the nfls and the nbas and all the major sports and all the major sports leagues and when you get there the spotlight is just bigger TMZ, these other sites, they're on the streets following you around. Like that's what happens in sports and stars get the shine and they're under the microscope a lot more. Anytime Conor McGregor does anything good or bad or tweets something, it has become news in 2022. It just is. That's the world we live in. And that's sports. That's what happens when you're a star. And it sucks that we're talking about it. It's just how it is. And whether you agree with it or not, here we are. But we're going to go ahead and, and move on to another topic and, and try to get a little positivity on here. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down, and new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Here, we're going to move on to multiple topics all meshed into one because this past weekend was a very busy one. A little potpourri of weekend combat sports action. We had UFC Vegas 48, big win for Jamal Hill, vicious knockout of Johnny Walker. We had Bellator 274, capped off with a big win for Logan Storley over Neiman Gracie. Fight turned out to be a, a barn burner after a couple of rounds. Andre Koreshkov with a brutal finish. A finish so brutal we didn't even realize how brutal it actually was watching it live. And then BKFC had Knucklemania 2. We saw the debuts of Mike Perry, big win for him. We saw Chad Mendez make his BKFC de- debut and get a big finish. Just some crazy fights. So busy night, Jed Mishu. So two-part question for you as we move on here. Which promotion won the weekend, in your opinion? And which fighter won the weekend, in your opinion? I mean, the... The real answer is Knuckle Mania won the weekend. So Bare Knuckle won the weekend because they did. I'll let Sean talk to this more because he probably knows numbers better than I do. But people were way more interested in that than they were in either the Bellator or the UFC. (laughs) So, So from a brass tacks, nickels and dimes standpoint, BKFC won the weekend handily. Um, I guess guess by virtue of that, then Mike Perry won the fight. Um, but probably not like probably even from them. I still haven't seen it. I'm probably not even going to watch it at this point. Um, Chad Mendez seems to have had the coolest thing that happened there, but for me and for let's, let's go with the not metric based winning of the weekend. Uh, I think. Jamal Hill probably is the guy who wins the weekend just because he's in a main event, knocked out a, according to the UFC's rankings, top 10 fighter in the first round. Um, So that's, that's it. But in my heart and in my soul, the true answer the the one that I believe uh, is Andre Koreshkov because one spinning back at KO uh, incredible stuff Two, he almost killed chance Rencon. I can't pronounce his name. Um, he'd like six busted ribs and a punctured lung and chance had to get like a bunch of steel plates put into his body to keep his body from collapsing in on itself. Um, all in less than a minute. And three, his mic work was sublime afterwards. He gets on the mic and is like, Hey man, I want to fight Paul Daly. I want to fight him in London. I'm not afraid. Uh, I don't want to fight a grapple. I want to fight a dude who's going to throw hands. Let's go do it. And, and Bellator was like, hell yeah, let's do that. And now that I don't know if that's official or if that's just being targeted, but uh, I mean, you can't draw it up any better than Andre Koreshkov's weekend. Got in one minute, spectacular KO that we wrote about after the fact, even because he shattered everything that Chance had in his body. Called his shot, is getting his shot. 10 out of 10 for, for Andre Koreshkov. That is a terrific answer, Jed, with, with Koreshkov, because you're right. 
makes the call out. Two days later, he gets the fight, and that fight is official for London. So good when on him. Well done. And did the fight happen like within the week after you made it? And it's not a fight that everyone knew. Like if Islam goes out there and, and he taps Bobby Green, we'll talk about that. And it's like, I want a lightweight title shot. And then they say, yeah, we're going to give him a let. Like, everyone knows that's what's coming. Nobody was like, Andre Koreshkov's going to try and fight Paul Daly. And he was like, I want this fight. And Goss was like, hell yeah, book it. Perfect. Which, by the way, by the way, what a G Paul Daly is. Like, my God, man, that dude is on his way out. Like, he was already ready to retire like a couple of years ago. He's ready to take this retirement fight, and he could easily just be like, "Nah, man, give me somebody good. Like, give me somebody easy that I can just murk in, in, you know, England, and just have my hometown fans really go crazy and just have a party for me and sort of celebrate on my way out." Nah, man, I'm gonna fight the dude who just broke like six ribs and and filled the lung half full with blood in like 38 seconds or whatever it was. Like, what a gangster Paul Daly is! Still taking on all comers, even on the very, very way out. Man, I I love that guy so much. Like, they you know they don't make him like Paul Daly anymore. I, I absolutely love it. Uh, but no, Jed's right. I mean, BKFC won the weekend. Like, if you we were just being upfront with the between the three events, like one event generated significant interest on I think majority of websites, uh, and the other two events didn't combine to even come like reach that interest of the of the other event i mean bkfc everybody seemed to be most interested in bkfc they sort of had the circus environment they always kind of have the circus environment but people love the circus uh and also there was some intrigue there right like chad mendez we hadn't seen chad mendez in a really long time people forget how damn good chad mendez is like chad mendez is one of the best in the world and has been for years and it was cool just seeing him back and uh uh i mean he was uh he was looking thick man that dude has been working out <laughs> quite a bit <laughs> <laughs> Sweet last song. Uh, he murked that dude. That was excellent to Double watch. Uh, hey, man. You said it, not me. Uh, and, the, and the Mike Perry fight, it too. I mean, that's just perfect matchmaking. Like, that's if you sign Mike Perry to your promotion and you're a bare knuckle boxing promotion, and then your first thing is to throw him up against the, the let me bang bro guy, like, that's just that's chef kiss matchmaking, right? Like, that's perfection. Um, and so, I mean, obviously, Luis Palomino as well. I, I was there in Phoenix for both of Palomino's fights against Justin Gaethje. And those are still two of the most raucous arenas I have ever been in inside my entire life. And I think there's maybe like 400, a thousand people maybe inside those arenas. And it was just madness. I, I, I love that man forever because of that. But just in terms of a one person who won the weekend, I have to agree. I think Jamal Hill, I mean, I guess Jed kind of audible to Koreshkov, but to me it was Jamal Hill because we, Jamal Hill became sort of transition from one of those guys who's been on the periphery of this division, someone who we sort of always kind of knew would be someone. And he was sort of just stuck in that pending, right? He was, he's been in pending for a while and now he's no longer there. Like he sort of rocketed above into whatever that next level of that division is in 205. Like he is somebody now who matters. He's somebody we're going to pay attention to. Uh, he's handled everything great since the knockout. Like the knockout itself was a highlight reel knockout. One of the craziest like just ways you can see a human body fall the way johnny walker felt felt like it was kind of horrific um and some of the photos from that were just brutal man like this game is such a brutal game uh but then the stone cold stunner like you just springboarded yeah, up the neck the 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 shot like a second before johnny actually fell against the cage when he's just kind of like falling back like this with his arms up is just gnarly man uh but then just even follow it up right he goes to the press conference he's, he's dressed to the nines with his son and they're kind of like matching suits but not matching where they, they're kind of going together with the whole theme 
the whole thing was great. And then he, he put out this post. I, I can't remember if it was a couple days ago at this point, uh, but just basically like ripping all the fans who who have been trying who've been jumping into Johnny Walker's mentions and, and sort of letting him know that he got knocked out. Just Jamal Hill going, you know, DefCon one on all those fans and telling them you can't be fans of me if if you're these the people doing this. I absolutely love that man. Like endear yourself to to the true hardcores. That's how you really start to build a fan base. Jamal Hill entered last weekend as someone who I think a lot of people were maybe high on, but didn't really care too much about. And I think now a week later. A lot of people care and are interested in what Jamal Hills is doing. And it's totally possible in that 205-pound division with how things are weird and just the whole title picture is weird and it, everything's very unsettled that this man fights for a title by the end of next year. So I absolutely love it. Yeah, he's definitely coming into his own and we're starting – and he's one of those fighters. I'm glad the MMA Hour is back because now all these these new fighters are coming on Ariel show and they're, they're kind of like taking Ariel to task a little bit. Uh, wh where you been, man? Where you been? And I feel like we were seeing that more and more. Monday was like the, the entire episode was like that. It was crazy. But I'm with both of you. BKFC won the weekend. It just seemed much more buzz. And then that buzz continued on Wednesday because the founder, the president of BKFC, David Feldman, jumps on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani and breaks the news that Triller has acquired a majority stake of BKFC from all I've been told. It seems to be a very lucrative deal, although exact figures are not public and cannot be thrown out, but this is uh, some pretty big news, some surprising news for BKFC who will still be their own entity. But the way David Feldman, Feldman phrased it is, you know, this is just new partners, more money, more doors to open and, and things of that nature in play, which means more potential big names coming over to BKFC. So, Sean, what was your reaction to this news? The pairing up of Triller and BKFC. Oh, man. Kind of bummed out, if I'm being honest, because I don't know. I mean, I mean, Triller <laughs> just doesn't feel like a... I, I don't know that Triller is a good organization to rely on if we're being honest i mean we're just seeing today there are numbers out right now i don't know if these are factual so don't you can't cite me on these but we're seeing people report that triller lost 810.9 million dollars in 2021 which if that number is correct i mean dave Meltzer, i believe was reporting that number and uh, again sorry if i'm getting this wrong but 810 million dollars in losses in one year like that is so astounding of a number that is so beyond impressive in, in its ineptitude uh, so I, I, I don't feel good about it. Uh, I really don't feel good. Look, you're not going to get Feldman in the room for less than 150 million. I don't feel great about I bet it. That but was a lucrative ass deal they signed. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I hope so for BKFC's sake because they really Feldman really like put his name and his, and his reputation and his money on the line over the last several years with a, an idea that I think a lot of people was going to thought was going to fail. A lot of people probably thought it was a terrible idea. Like, why are you doing this bare knuckle thing? And it actually ended up being kind of cool. And I actually really enjoy these events now. And I think a lot of people do too, as we talked about in the last segment. Um, so, I mean, hopefully this deal is a good thing for BKFC and it's something that they wanted and it's not a, a sign that they were running out of money or anything like that. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Hopefully it's a good thing. And that means that they can, you know, start, throwing their money around a little bit more because we are seeing guys who go to BKFC consistently say, Hey, I'm making so much money. I mean, Chad Mendez just on the MMA hour this week said he made more money for his BKC, BKFC debut against the guy I had never heard of. Uh, than he made for either of his UFC title fights or the interim title fight with Conor McGregor, which I don't know if that's true. 
But if that's true, that's utterly crazy uh, and good for Chad Mendez. I'm glad he's making that money. The, the Chad makes it better. Um, so hopefully, man, this, this is a good thing for BKFC that Triller and BKFC have sort of been the two main non-MMA players to be really actual major players in MMA free agency over the past couple of years. We've seen them really open the coffers for some guys like Mike Perry and you know Junior Dos Santos over in Triller and Vitor Belfort and all the stuff they're doing. So hopefully this is more of uh, those two joining forces and a sign of good things to come for MMA free agents and, and you know guys out there being able to make that money, make more money outside of the UFC. Hopefully it's a good thing. I am not sure that it is, but I will choose to be cautiously optimistic because I like to be optimistic. Yeah, if we see more of those kinds of names and less of the Evander Holyfields of the world, I'll be uh, I'll be a happy camper. But Jed, what were uh, what were and are your thoughts on this news now? Because you got that look on your face, and I can't wait to shut my mouth. <laughs> I thought this was awesome until today. Uh, <laughs> look, we've talked about this. I went I went to Jake Paul versus um, Ben Askren. I was in attendance for that trailer event, and let me just say. I did not believe when it was first brought to our attention, I did not believe that Triller could have possibly lost $800 million fourth to a Billy in one calendar year. And then I remembered back to that Triller thing during the height of the pandemic where they didn't sell tickets. They let in like 200 Triller VIPs that won some kind of contest. And then the media and that event was Jake Paul versus Ben Askren um there was some 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 boxing going on in that card as well though i don't off the top of my head remember who who was competing that night but it weren't that was like a steve totally... cunningham right steve cunningham yeah, Frank Mayer. there you go there you go um and uh but more importantly than that they had every major musical act of the past like 15 years there um they got steve urkel cutting promos to start the show about his new weed uh, they had Mario Lopez being uh, up there. And I think Mario was the only sober one, but De La Hoya was ripped out of his mind. Um, they had, uh, what, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, um, Bieber. They had all this, uh, either like the Queens of the Stone Age or Nine Inch Nails, one of those like type of bands. It was an insane collection of people that were had to be wildly expensive. And so then I thought, I was like, yeah, actually that tracks that they, they just decided to light a billion dollars on fire. So up until today, I would have felt great about it because as I've said many times on this and other programs on our network, I had a great time with the trailer thing. I had a really, really fun time. They put on a great show. You got to make a lot of noise when you're the new kid in the block. And I thought they had done that and they had been building to some. They've been trying to build on something that I thought could have been cool and interesting and, and make a name for themselves, carve out a niche. Uh, now that I found out that they've lost almost a billion dollars in the last calendar year, on top of the like 80 mil they burned in 2020, this is horrendous for BKFC because I don't know, I can't speak confidently to the financial state of Triller. But what I can speak confidently to is uh, – investment works when people believe you have something worth investing and when your numbers show that you lost a billion dollars is way tougher to get more people to be like i would like to put money behind you you are obviously a good steward of my of my capital let me invest <laughs> in you gentleman who has lost a billion dollars in two years 
this is a great place for my money to sit. So I don't know. Maybe Triller survives um, losing a billion dollars. Maybe they can. Uh, good on them if they do. But it seems not optimal for BKFC to be tied to what at this point I have to imagine is a sinking ship. So, yeah, um, I'm sure they'll be fine in some way or another. They'll spin out and pivot when Triller dies. But I I don't I don't feel great that they're going to do a lot is, I guess, my my short answer. Yeah, Triller did some very interesting things in 2021, including I mentioned the Holyfield fight. It was supposed to be Delahoya versus Belfort in California. And then Delahoya gets COVID. They bring in Evander Holyfield, California, and Andy Foster and the, and the fine folks over there are like, no friggin' way are we letting this guy fight in our state. So they moved the entire event to Florida in a, on a week's notice. And we get the fight and we get Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. And Mario Lopez is there. We I'm got sure all these music left. Sure, Donald <laughs> Trump is a real cheap sign. Mazadal is in the booth. The <laughs> yeah, they Mazadal JDS in the booth. I do love Andy Foster's role in all of that too, because he already took the L on Chuck Liddell versus Tito three like a couple years ago, and he. I love that Andy's just at this point like, nah, man, like I'm never doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> like I got yeah, ripped to learned. hell for that. He learned a lesson. Yeah. Yes, we we grow and we evolve, and and California did the right thing. Last thing on this, David Feldman also said that. They're going to try to make with this new money that they're going to try to make a play potentially for Francis and Ganu if the time comes. But uh, also, Jed, he teased a big signing or two coming over the next couple of days. So any guesses who, who that might be, Jed? A any guesses on these big free agents that could be coming over to the world of bare knuckle fighting? I mean, it just has to be Tyron Woodley, right? Like he's the most obvious person. Uh, they're not going to get Francis and Ganu, I think. Good on Feldman. Like, that's a thing that you say because it's a thing you're supposed to say. But if – I don't think is coming back to the UFC, but if he signed – if he doesn't, he's very obviously going to go fight Tyson Fury, who is extremely into that fight for obvious reasons. And so he's not going to go sign with BKFC and then do that. That's – so – Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, though? I mean, I would be here for it. Don't get me wrong. I would watch the hell out of – bare knuckle friend Singanu just throw, throw mitts with people i'm all all day but uh, that is how someone dies that is how you kill a man in bare knuckle combat like if the, <laughs> the idea of the per like the i want to meet the person who's going to sign up to take a bare knuckle punch from francis Singanu at full speed like let's let's have let's like let this happen let's let francis Singanu sort of get his boxing warm-up before tyson fury against some can and bkfc right like let's just give him the bag if, if they got that Triller money where they're blowing a billion dollars in a year, like they clearly don't care about money at all. Let's just do it. Let's let's feed uh, Francis and God to someone and let's just really go full circus. Let's give him a big fat guy, maybe like really hairy chest, really hairy shoulders. And let's just see Francis wail on this dude. Like I'm here for the circus, man. That sounds ridiculous. I will buy that tonight. The, I mean, look, I'm, I would watch it. The reality is, we're never going to see Francis Ngannou hit anybody more violently and devastatingly than when he decapitated Alistair Overeem. It's maybe the single greatest punch that's ever been landed <laughs> in combat sports. And so glove, no glove. Like you could give me a baseball bat and I could not put that level of a shot on Alistair Overeem with a baseball bat. 
So it's not going to be any worse than that is all I can say. So I'm in. We can watch him beat anybody because it's not going to be worse than the over in KO. The only way it is worse is if it is that exact same shot, but bare knuckle. Someone's head just launches into orbit. Like, that's it. Like, you get a 5'8 heavyweight, and it's just like it's done. But then, well, you get a 5'8 heavyweight. God, that's awful. (laughs) But then also, Ngannou's just going to shatter his hand doing that. So that's less fun. Man, I'm here for it. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, why the hell not? We it, it'd be amazing the pre-fight show for for that event, no doubt about it. But a lot of buzz right now for BKFC. Very busy year for them. A lot of cards. What I think. think Andy Foster would gonna... feel about that. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're going to Cali. <laughs> that's in Florida. That's happening. In yeah, Florida. that's that, that's a well, that's a Florida or Wyoming international waters. Yeah, they're going to that's South Dakota better. for that card. Yeah, give me an international total. waters, international waters BKFC card. Like God, that's it. You just sold it. In Paris, they should go to Paris for that. They get there before no, I need the UFC. It. I need it, it on the ocean. On a card. I need on it on the ocean. <laughs> Let's go full out. We're fixing all these organizations on BTL, but I think they're going to do four. I think you said forty-two total events for twenty twenty-two. That's that's just insane that's with the international stuff that they're doing. But uh, we'll see who these signings are. Woodley, I think, is a big possibility. Maybe JDS comes in, but. We'll see a page fights for them again this year and whatever else happens. Uh, a lot of eyeballs upon them. Now let's, let's head to the UFC because a big fight is, is coming Harrison? up on Saturday night. Is it Kayla? Oh Harrison? my gosh. <laughs> Can, Can you imagine, imagine the freaking Wow. <laughs> that would be shocking. That would be incredibly shocking. I was going to go back to PFL and then I said, F it. BKFC. Let's go. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> you better yeah, yeah, do it now. Become my favorite fighter of all time. If this is happening. <laughs> get, that, get that trailer money now. You got to do it now. So the UFC's go home show, as I like to say, for their next pay per view event, UFC 272 is coming up this Saturday. It's UFC Vegas 49, headlined by Islam Makachev taking on the absolute gangster Bobby Green. Huge opportunity for Bobby Green. We sang his praises on the program last week in the final round, but. Let's talk stakes here, Sean. Because originally, we were supposed to get Makachev versus Benil Dariush. And the winner of that fight, pretty much a foregone conclusion that a title shot would be next against the winner of Oliver versus Gaethje in May. Although, as we know far too well, my friend, nothing is guaranteed in this world and in the sport. So, with the shakeup, Sean, do you believe a title fight is next for the winner of this fight, no matter who wins on Saturday night? Oh, man, I think my internet is just crapping out right now. Maybe go to Jed real quick. What was the Jed? question? Were we talking about the main event? We're talking about the main event and the stakes. Will a title oh. will t- Is a title shot on the line no matter who wins this fight? No, not at all. That's, I think there's a really good argument a title shot is no longer on the line now that Benny Darius is not fighting. Um, I suspect that if... Izumakachev goes out there and gets the job done. He will he will be the front runner certainly to face the winner of the Oliveira Gaethje fight coming up at 274. Um, but I by no means think that's a foregone conclusion. Uh, through no fault of his own, frankly, he's had a couple of opponent changes. I know that Islam has been one of those guys who, frankly, just not a lot of fighters are willing to face. Um, so it's been a tough road for him in some regards. A win over Bobby Green by the UFC's ranking still means he has like two ranked wins over Dan Hooker, who's about to be a featherweight, 
and at the time, Jared Moises, who was questionably ranked anyway. So it's just, it's a real tough sell to put him through to a title fight. I mean, you can just given everything else and he gets the Habib bump, but it's by no means ridiculous to be like, hey, you need to at least beat one top five guy before before you get a title fight. And I suspect, quite frankly, that uh, regardless of how the, the lightweight title, actually, maybe no. If Charles Oliveira wins, I think he's not trying to fight Islam Makachev until Makachev gets a, a certified great win, uh, certified top five win. I think if Oliveira defends his belt, he is going to push as hard as he possibly can for a fight with Conor McGregor. Um, and I don't blame him for it. It's obviously ridiculous, uh, but you got to get the bag while you can get the bag. And that I just think that's what Oliveira's done. He's already laid some of the groundwork for that. Um, and so I, I suspect that that is probably actually what will happen if, if those circumstances play out. If Gaethje wins, I could see Gaethje being a little more interested in the Makachev fight. Um, a Ursatz rematch with Habib. Uh, Gaethje has been pretty open about caring less about fighting Connor and more about legacy and doing the things correctly. I still think he would fight Connor, and maybe I'm totally wrong. And if he wins, he'll just call out Connor. But I think there's more likelihood that a win from Akachev gets him belt. Bobby Green wins, he ain't getting a title shot. That's just not a thing that's happening. Um, he'll be a top five fighter in good form. He's been trying for his whole career to do that. Um, but what? there's just no chance he he sneaks his way into a title fight here. So uh, a tremendous upset and great for him. He he might sneak his way into a title eliminator next, but he's not he's not one and dunning to a belt with a win this weekend. What do you think about that, Sean? Because what what like if if Bobby Green goes out there and finishes Islam Makachev in the, in the first round. Let's just say he goes out there and just bolts him and knocks him out in the first round. You're telling me that Dana White's not getting that question at the press conference saying, is Bobby Green going to get a title shot? And Dana White isn't at least thinking about it, isn't at least putting a positive spin on that in some way? Because if Connor is not in play and Bobby Green goes out there and bolts Islam Makachev, is there a hotter guy at 155 right now than Bobby Green? Outside of what McGregor, do I- of course. What do I think? I think that was just an atrocious take by Jed through and through. Like that whole <laughs> way. I, I love you, Jed, but that was just a bad take after bad take. Number one, Islam Makachev is going to get this title shot regardless if he wins. Like there, at, at a certain point, like, yeah, get a top five win. When it's out of this guy's control, it doesn't matter at this point. What would it be? 10 straight? Like there's no one else in this division who would pass, surpass him other than the random Conor McGregor entry, which might happen, but is not, definitely not going to happen. If Islam Makachev is out here winning 10 fights in a row and getting uh, replacement main events and just still rolling with it, like people want to see right. Islam fight for the title. People believe Islam is probably the number one fighter in the world in this division, which you as well, sir, who have him ranked number one in our lightweight rankings, you believe that as well. I'm just saying there is a a fiending within the MMA community right now for seeing this guy get his chance. So regardless of whether it's Bobby Green or you tomorrow night, like or not tomorrow, but Saturday, Islam wins, he's getting it. Like it's happening. Whether or not Charles Oliveira wants it or not, it's happening. Charles Oliveira does not have the sway as a champion to be able to stop that from happening. Like he is not Conor McGregor out here being able to pick and choose who he wants. And on the well, other side, Conor McGregor is out here. And that was the entire uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me keep going. On the other side of this, Bobby Green, Green wins. Like if Bobby Green somehow comes in here 
and wins this fight on one week's notice. And it, I don't know. I think it'd be three straight for him at that point or four straight. And the circumstances with which he would have done it, it feels very Jorge Masvidal-esque, right? Like our good friend Ariel Helwani said this as well this week, and he's 100% right. There is something happening right now with Bobby Green. This is the, the perfect confluence of events that we see sometimes in the sport, very Nate Diaz-esque, where sometimes just weird stuff happens and guys fall into situations and the perfect opportunity at the perfect moment for the perfect personality happens. And if you get that win, if you maximize that space, you can all of a sudden become a genuine person who matters, right? Like a genuine, I wouldn't say star, but a, a budding star within this division. And Bobby Green has been killing it in these interviews like it is fascinating to watch bobby green speak this week and just throughout this whole process as he's accepted this fight and he's just going in there talking about how he's going to be a gangster coming in there and just punching islam right in the face like i think it's all incredibly intriguing and if bobby green goes out there and actually lives up to what he's saying right now if bobby green goes out there and, and beats the guy who i think a lot of us believe is probably the best fighter in this division and does so handily maybe finishes him you know he's going to cut a, a crazy good promo in there. You know he's going to kill it in the post-fight press conference. And there is a very real chance that with no one else sort of just percolating right up right now at light, lightweight, that he gets that next shot. He might still be one fight away, but I wouldn't rule it out at all if he is able to parlay this into a Nate Diaz-esque, Masvidal-esque sort of run where all of a sudden this guy who's been in our lives for so long and has been sort of doing this thing the whole way through, all of a sudden everybody realizes it, sees it, loves it, appreciates it, and he gets that push. I'm just saying, don't rule it out. It might happen. Jed, go ahead. One, don't come at me like I don't know about Bobby Green. I have been <laughs> saying Bobby Green is gonna is the next Tory Masvidal for literal years. I can go dig up the I'm just saying. Because I have said it saying. for years that he is the dude who has the best chance to put together a late career Jorge Masvidal star turn. So I'm well aware. But the key thing about Masvidal is Masvidal became a star when he need Ben Askren. Like, that's really it. That's the thing. After he did that, Masvidal didn't get a title shot. Masvidal need Ben Askren's face off, and then he fought Nate Diaz. That's what's coming for Bobby Green. If He, he wins, fought Nate he Diaz because fight. he wanted to fight Nate Diaz. He could have gotten a title shot. He fought Nate Diaz because he wanted to make that money, and he knew Nate Diaz was a winnable fight, and then he could fight for the title afterwards, and then he ended up fighting for the title twice afterwards. Like It was very calculated the way it worked out for Masvidal. It wasn't because he didn't get a title shot. It was because he didn't want a title shot at that moment. He maximized his opportunity in the best possible Are way. That's not, that's not I comparable. Don't, I don't recall him getting a title shot off that. I don't he could have. He, there was, there was, there was momentum for it to happen, but he didn't even consider it because he knew he'd probably lose to Kamar Usman and the Nate Diaz fights right there. You have the BMF situation, like that was just a different, again, confluence of events that led to him making the most money he's ever made in his life over this short span. And I would say even too before that, um, the the Ben Askren thing you mentioned that that's sort of the one that rocketed him. He was sort of he was sort of percolating before that, like he had the Darren Till knockout before that, and I remember being there at fight well, week four, the Ben right Askren now? fight. Well, that's where Bobby Green's at right now because I remember yeah. being there well, at that fight week. It's the fight. Yeah, I remember being at there at that fight week for the Ben Askren fight, and the biggest media scrum by far was around Jorge Masvidal trying to hear what he had to say. It felt like he was on the verge of something, and it feels like Bobby is on that exact same place right now. He is. Yeah. And did you hear? Did you hear the 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 reception he got in Houston? I mean, he was 
he might have got the biggest pop out of anybody besides Derek Lewis on that card. It was it was amazing to def- to, to he hear on television. Anyone there for sure? And yeah, look, I'm not I'm not saying Bobby Green won't be a star. This is his star turn. This is the opportunity. That's why he took it. I'm saying that if he wins, Charles Oliveira is not going to fight him. He's going to try and fight Conor McGregor, and the UFC is going to let him. And frankly, if 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 Makachev wins and Charles Oliveira wins, he's going to try and fight Conor McGregor. And we have a sadly deep history of people in the lightweight division stacking up 10 plus wins and not getting legitimate title shots because Conor McGregor is just kind of around. So that's where I'm coming from. And I'm sticking with it because I just genuinely don't, if Oliveira wins, I think it's a 50, 50 shot. that McGregor's the next guy up for the belt. Like that seems extremely possible to me. Anything is possible, my friends. Anything is possible. You never know. We don't Connor, we don't even know when Connor's gonna be able to fight again. We don't know. He's saying somewhere, I don't buy that at all. Maybe we see him at the end of the year. Who knows? Why wouldn't you buy summer? It seems that seems like it tracks. I don't know, man. He doesn't seem like coming. I don't know. He doesn't seem in any. He's not cutting the line. He's not cutting the line. Or uh Charles Oliveira doesn't have the sway right now to be able to pull for that. I'm just saying, people watching the show, one of us believes that Conor McGregor is going to cut the line, and one of us doesn't. And I'll let y'all determine who is obviously incorrect based on history and monetary value. You'll see, man. I'm telling you, it's not happening. Like This is not the same situation. It's not the same situation as situations in the past. Bastions of of moral certitude and sporting. That's not even it. That's not even it. It's just not the same situation. We'll see though. I mean, maybe I'm right, but I'm I'm not or maybe I'm wrong. I'm not wrong, but maybe I'm wrong. We're not but I'm not. we're not really gonna see because Makachev and Gaethje are gonna win, and so then those two are gonna fight. Which is all right. In all awesome. awesome. I'm in. I'm yeah. in on that. We get but. we could talk about this for another hour, but let's yeah, let's, let's move not on. Talk about this weekend. Well, yeah, I mean there were if we're talking last week, not a not a ton of hope and positivity on paper for last week's UFC card. It ended up being pretty solid. We got the devastating main event finish. We got the great Jim Miller moment. But heading in, Jed, it was met with sort of a meh reaction. How do you feel about this card? This one looks a little bit better, does it not? Eh, this card, this card has one really, really great thing going for it, and it's that it's eleven fights. Um, beautiful number if if one of those falls off and frankly we've got a pretty good chance because joel Alvarez like isn't a lightweight and can't ever make the lightweight limit um so there's like a decent chance he just blows weight tomorrow and that fight jumps off which sucks because that fight is probably the best fight on the card if if the main event isn't um but 10 is an optimal number so we're pretty close to 10 for this fight card so that's great and there's some really compelling bouts. There are a lot of bouts that either aren't compelling um, on the merits of their own or just because they don't mean anything. Like neither fighter is is going to be a relevant person in their division. Um, so it's it's really similar to last week's card, only it's got a, a, a much more intriguing main event. And maybe the next two fights off, off that top spot are slightly better or more intriguing. But we're in the same ballpark as far as quality there. Sean, your thoughts on Saturday's offering from the ultimate fighting championship. I mean, it's okay. It's a fight night, right? Like we, at this point, I feel like we know what to expect with a fight night. The, the main event is sick. I'm super, super intrigued with the main event. 
the rest of the card has some some hits and some misses, but it definitely has enough intrigue for me to be interested in to watch. I mean, you have Armin Sarukian, your your boy Mike. He's out here. He's back. Joel Alvarez, like that's a great fight. Uh, Misha Serkinov at middleweight. Okay, that's you know interesting. And also Terrence McKinney, who is somehow buried on the prelims here, which I don't understand how Priscilla Cachuera, who who just last time we saw her was gouging eyeballs, how she's on the main card, and you have Terrence McKinney out here just slumming it on the prelims. Like, that's ridiculous. I'm way more interested to see Terrence McKinney do what he's going to do and try to follow up that, I believe, what it was like, seven seconds last time in his UFC debut. Like, that's – put Terrence McKinney in that spot. But whatever. Like, there's enough on this card for it to be interesting, and I'm certainly looking forward to it. And, again, that main event is just – it's it, it's perfect. With what the UFC had to work with, I'm looking forward to it. 100%. I love the Sarukian Alvarez fight on an island. It's not getting enough attention. No one know everyone is aware. No one has been higher on Armand Sarukian over the years than I have been. And now we're going to see it come possibly to fruition. And like Jed said, Alvarez, very good fighter, big finisher. Hopefully he does make weight tomorrow. We're knocking on that wood right now. He's not going to. That dude's a middleweight. Like, I'm not kidding. That dude is a middleweight competing at lightweight. He's bigger than Darren Till. He's like 6'3 and thick. Like, and he's only getting bigger. It's not like you get smaller as you age. Like, that dude needs to be a welterweight. And I strongly think he's going to be one, like, he's going to be like an Anthony Johnson guy who, when he finally does bump up a weight and no longer is like spending every moment of his life trying to keep his weight under control he's going to immediately not be able to keep his weight at welterweight and just become a middleweight. He's going to blow weight at welterweight as soon as he goes up to him. I'm I'm actually like genuinely surprised the UFC is letting him do it again. Cause like it's already, it's already twice in a row, right? Like it's twice in a a row. Like two times ago it was 150, 59.5. Last time was 157.5. So he's like inching his way there. He's, he's progressively getting there. Uh, maybe this time he'll actually get there, but I'm actually shocked they're letting him do it because you're 100% right. He's like 6'3". He's a giant dude. There's no reason he should be a lightweight. He is the biggest lightweight in the UFC. Like, if if you count him as a lightweight, he is undoubtedly, to me, the biggest lightweight in the UFC. That dude has to come in at, like, 195 on fight day. He's enormous. Well... Hopefully he makes weight. He'll probably weigh 151 tomorrow, and we'll all be eating our words. But before we uh, we turn the page to UFC Vegas 49 on Saturday, we got some daytime MMA tomorrow with our good friends at Bellator MMA. Bellator 275 in Dublin, Ireland. We'll definitely get a fired-up crowd as always, and they will see the middleweight championship defended in the main event as Gegard Mousasi defends his crown against the number one contender, the undefeated Austin Vanderford. Jed, we'll start with you. I know how highly you think of Gegard Mousasi with his interviews, and he's just such a great personality for the sport. He was on fire on the MMA hour on this three-fight winning streak. Just finished John Salter in his last fight. He feels like he's the best he's ever been. Feels like he can hang with the best middleweights in the world. Are you excited for this fight? Are you genuinely excited to wake up tomorrow and think to yourself, hey, in a couple hours right now, we're going to get this Bellator event. We're going to see a Gegard Mousasi title fight against Austin Vanderford. Eh. I mean, it's fine. Um, I How am, dare you, sir? How I know. dare you? This is ridiculous. I <laughs> can't about, believe it. I'm about to let you, let you cook, Sean, because I'm going to say some <laughs> things that you're going to hate. Because um, I recognize that I am I'm on an island here, but uh, I've just staked new ground that's correct, and y'all are going to catch up to me a little bit. Um, 
I currently have Gegard Mousasi ranked as the number three middleweight in the world. It is probably the only ranking that I made that I do not agree with uh, via my standards of ranking, which is primarily based around the fact of trying to order people who would beat other people. Not what they've accomplished, but if they fought tomorrow, how do I think they'd stand? I do not think Gegard Mousasi is probably even a top five middleweight at this point in time. I recognize that Sean is probably has flames coming out of his ears right now. Um, <laughs> but Gegard is one of, if not the most talented and skilled middleweights in the world right now. Gegard is also 36 going on 107 because he has been competing for 20 years and has like 58 fights or some astronomical number, not counting his ventures into amateur boxing and kickboxing. Like he is an unbelievably talented, skilled fighter. He also, it's not like he was burning the house down against washed Ash Lyoto Machida, like not that long ago. So I think in my head, I don't believe Austin Vanderford is that good a fighter. And Austin Vanderford is primarily a grappler, which I think favors heavily what Gegard is still really good at doing um, and still has the athleticism to do. So I favor Gegard to win this specific fight. But I think that if he were if he were in the if he got whatever, they traded him to the UFC tomorrow, I want him to immediately get a title fight because I don't think I think you're playing with fire to ask him to beat Marvin Vittori. Like he is just, he's not that old, but he is that old because he has so many miles on him. And like, I don't know, he he didn't blow the doors off Douglas Lima. He beat him convincingly, but Douglas Lima is a career welterweight and Gegard couldn't, Gegard's fought up to 205 and couldn't get him out of there. Like it's just, I, I have a lot of questions about where he's at physically and where he's at at this stage of his career. And so I will watch because I have a great appreciation for what Gegard has done. But I think there's a really strong argument that he is not a top five middleweight in the world right now. Based on if they fought tomorrow, he certainly is based on accomplishment, which is why I have him ranked there. Sean, have at me. Go, buddy. I know you want to do it. <laughs> He's getting redder and redder. I just I, – I'm so disappointed in you, Jed, because you're someone I respect. You're someone I enjoy <laughs> listening to. I feel like – like you generally have very well thought out takes uh, and you have good, interesting, you know, perspectives on things, but how can you dare sit up there and disrespect the legend of Gegar Musasi, this absolute gem of a man who has done so much for us in this space. <laughs> Gegar Musasi is one of the most interesting, fun, exciting people in this, in, in the whole industry. I love that man so much. And you're sitting I here agree. poking holes, you're sitting no, you're, no, 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 no. you're sitting here poking holes in a resume that basically is undefeated since 2016. Like he has the one loss to Rafael Lovato Jr. back in 2019. That was a majority decision that that some people could say was a bad decision. Other than that, that dude has not done anything but win. And he's won decisively for the most part, outside of a few random ones where it feels like he just couldn't get up for it. Like, sure, you want to you want to throw the Leoto Machida. He you, want to throw the Leota Machito, you want to throw the Leota Machito one out there, that's fine. You know, some people look, look 
it's hard to look good against Lyoto Machida, no matter how old he is. Like it's it's Lyoto Machida. Regardless, Gegard Musasi is still out here doing the damn thing like he's been doing for years. He is so much fun and he's so interesting. And if he wins this fight, he's what is he's gonna end up just going up and waiting and fight fighting the winner of the 205 pound grand prix. And that alone is interesting in and of itself. Him versus Nemkov or Corey Anderson, sign me up for that. Gegar Musasi is an absolute legend, and I will not stand for any moose slander on this on this show at all. That's ridiculous. You should lose. You should lose five wins off your BTO record right now, Casey. I want to see you drop five wins off Jez now because this is ridiculous. What I'm hearing. I never said anything about the man. I love the man. He's a great interview. I just said that Marvin Vittori, who isn't like a technical genius, but is a hulking tank of a dude. Probably just walk down and put mitts on him for fifteen. To Thank you, Casey. Minutes. Thank you, Casey. That you are you. See, this is why I'm repping an all elbow shirt today. When Austin Vader the, the real people wins know. tomorrow, I'm gonna look oh. like a genius, and I don't even think it's great. I think he's got a better. Uh, since I'm not doing a gambling column for Bellator, if I was betting money tomorrow, I would bet money on Austin Vanderford. Is all I'm saying. I think that that's. Fade the old guys in MMA. It's a historically great betting plan. I, I see Garrett wow. Trammell out here in the chat t- saying Sean equals disappointed father. And that's just, it's, it's, I, I don't even know that that's enough. Like that's not like I, I'm profoundly disappointed with what I'm hearing here. This is, there is no way he just said all of that about Gegard Mousasi. It's telling me like, I'm not saying he's, he's bad. You, you call them overrated. One lie that I said. You called him overrated. You said you, you called him overrated. You said he hasn't had a good win in forever and that he's may not be a top five middleweight in the world. That's. Yeah. None of those are wrong. They're all correct. What's his uh, best win? Sit in why don't you dry your hair? Why don't you years? dry your hair before you get on this program? <laughs> My hair is dry. It's just greasy. There's a difference. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just Real quick. I don't, I don't have the ability to have that problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got freaking Uncle Jesse over here just rocking the the stylish do while Sean and I struggle to Looking like to look he's in coming the mirror every day. in from a WWE locker room. <laughs> Greased up, wet, yeah. watery hair. We got freaking man mountain rock over here. Uh, any any other fights stand out to you, Sean, from this card? Anything <laughs> you whistled? Okay. From, from what the Bellator card? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, let me as I pull it up now. Sorry. Uh, the no. event, Sean. Before you look at it, no, what's I already looked at it. Shit. I already looked at it, and I wouldn't have gotten it. I no, no other fights stand out to me. But gay guard, gay guard is enough. What about you, uh, Jed? Anything? Or is this a one <laughs> card for you? Um, I have some marginal interest in uh, Hazen Magomed Cherpov, um, Jose Sanchez, because Magomed Cherpov might be like, okay. Um, but it's, he's still really early in his career. Um, so nothing. I mean, Brett Johns is usually at least kind of in fun fights. But no, this is, this is a one fight card, man. This is a one fight and Irish card. Like this is a local card. This is for for the peoples. Hopefully, someone yes. just walks out to zombie or something like that. I just the, the Irish always have such cool like they 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 really stand for the pomp and the circumstance of the of the walkouts if you give them the right material. So hopefully, someone feeds into that. Let me let me say though that if you're letting me broaden out, I mean, got we have one of the top middleweights in the world. Henny A. De Ritter, 
is, is competing at one one championship this week. Maybe you guys will finally come along to my side of thinking about Henier and put him in your rankings, and we can start pushing the one championships straight to the top, baby. It's amazing. It's amazing you said that because I wanted to leave us with a question well, that okay. may have required a little bit of thought of because we had a lot of car we had a lot of cards this weekend. We have one PFL challengers, we get LFA, UAE Warriors, KSW, and I'm probably missing some other ones. And I was gonna ask like what the most under the radar storyline of this entire weekend in MMA was. And I feel like we got Jed's answer with uh the double champ trying to continue on here. But what what do you think, Sean? What what what's what storyline for any of these events is just not getting enough attention that you're really interested in? Hmm, that's tough because we've already talked about a lot. I mean, to me, if I'm being honest, it probably is Terrence McKinney. Because again, just him being so buried on a card that is a C plus card, like a B minus card, like him, he is a fascinating guy in this space. And he might be, you know, one of the most intriguing lightweight prospects in the whole entire sport. We saw his debut. It was spectacular. He is a, a crazy story. Like if you actually look into his story, it is really um, impressive what he's overcome to, to get to this point. And he's making a lot of noise himself. He has really actually been he's done he's done an incredibly good job at uh, promoting himself. The UFC hasn't really promoted him that much. And again, burying him on this card isn't really doing him any favors. But I'm really interested to see where this goes and, and sort of how the story plays out. To me, he's one of my most interesting, if not outside of the the gay guard Islam situation. He's the most interesting thing in the whole weekend outside of that. Yeah, what a story oh. this guy has. Give me Fabrice throwing them bones too. Come on, chucking mitts. KS, KSW <laughs> is just always like one of the most fun things to watch. They feel like the true spiritual successor to Pride, um, and you're getting a, a KSW heavyweight championship. Like straight up, if I were to say watch one event this week, it's, it is going to be watch Islam Makhachev, who I believe is the best lightweight in the world, and thus one of the three or four best fighters in the world, but. Uh, if you took away that, uh, give me KSW because the pomp, the circumstance, and two big boys chucking mitts, man, that's what I'm here for. I love that game, dude. I, I one of my one of my Red. sorry, Mike. One of my stories that I I still want to do at some point in my career is to just go to Poland and be in the arena oh, for just a giant, you know, whatever one of the biggest biggest possible KSW shows, and just be fly on the wall and sort of do a feature like that. Uh, sort of reporting from the scene because I I agree it's they are almost basically the spiritual successor to pride like it is it seems so cool the the production and just all the elements that go into their show 100% my uh my Loki storyline is also coming from KSW and you're gonna see it on MMA fighting very soon Roberto Soldik is my Loki storyline who is not fighting this weekend but he and his team will be sitting down with the KSW head honchos on Sunday, and they're going to present KSW with an offer of what they want. And if they accept, he will stay. If not, or they don't counter with something he really likes, come this summer, RoboCop's going to be a free agent. He's got one oh, fight boy. left. His contract expires in mid-July. And if he goes to free agency, oh, my gosh. there's gonna Everyone's going to want that guy. Everybody. Every single person. He's already got a bunch of like good offers too. Why? Do I hope they don't. I hope they don't. I hope they don't accept his terms because I want him out there. Yeah. I want him yeah. free, yeah. free as a bird to do some wild shit out here. Because I Soldi versus I, Vic- give me Soldi versus Vicente Luque tomorrow. Give me that fight tomorrow at one hundred seventy pounds. 
That's it. That's it. I, I, we just need to end the show there because we're not topping it. You're right. You're 100% right. Man, can we get Bellator and KSW and One and Ryzen to just do a Super Bowl event once a year? Because, like, Soldic versus Koreshkov or Daly or anybody would just be just hits. Give me all that type of stuff because they don't, they don't have people to actually fight in their own orgs. Give us good shit. Like that's just do I'm a doing. do like a big multi organization Grand yeah. Prix, just a big thing. pure hitters, hitters fun. only. Yeah, I love it. Would it would be awesome. I love. Do you it. have any idea how excited I would be for that? God, that would be the best. That would be the best, and I had the best time with 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 you and and everybody watching right now. We are done. We've gone a little over time, but that's okay. We had some spirited conversations, some spirited debates, and uh, we all won. Okay, we're all the winners for having being a part of it so thank you very much for everybody oh, oh, watching one, one second mr Hedges. Oh, wait Casey. hold on who actually we, we, we have our we had a we have our unofficial fan results for our exhibition oh i forgot right we had fan results i bet i lost because yeah. everybody's a oh, i didn't even think we were doing that so a surprise a surprise, a surprise here surprise. so who got the fan results so let me close the get your votes bunch in of moose, bunch of moose stands <laughs> damn straight <laughs> Don't disrespect the legend. When Vanderford wins tomorrow, it's going to be both sad and really happy for me. <laughs> and today's winner from the fans, winning by 52% of the votes, Ooh. is... Wow. wow, another close one. The Musasi stand. Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> I'm the champion. I'm the real champion. You so shamelessly to the fans with the move Stanley. It's still only won by 52%. All I'm hearing is a fake champ who was already a fake champ becoming even more of a fake champ. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, we got we got to do the real a real deal battle next week. We got to run sure. it back for the for, for, for reals. I just never get real. to fight Phoenix. I'm just saying, I have three wins on this program, and two of them are over that guy you're calling the champion. Wow. I, I mean, mean he, he ran through the gauntlet. He ran through the tourney. This is like done, a tough so. win. It doesn't count. It's an exhibition. It's not on the record. So you have two wins on this program. I don't remember who your first loss is to, but one of those L's is to me, Kamaru Usman, breakout fighter of the year. That was like well, a team. See what happened. <laughs> that was a yeah, tag that was me up. taking both you and Jose out. Just I'm just saying, Casey. Casey, can you add the three to the record there, just for me, please? <laughs> well, I have zero what? wins according to Casey now. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get out of the show. We can't get out. He played the exit music. I and everything. Did, I so did the exit music. I did the exit music. <laughs> Play it again. No. Play it again. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Take take us out, Mr. Heck. Ah, uh, what a show. For Sean, for Jed, for Casey on the ones and twos. Thank you for watching. I am Mike Heck. We'll see you next week once again between the legs. Good night, everybody. The iconic voice takes you home. This has been Between the Links. I'm Mr. Lynn. <laughs> Jed Mishu sucks. <laughs> I'm the champ. <laughs> Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA. 
for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.